0: Or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus as your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, hello, Emmanuel Church. How are you today? It is a joy to be here with you today. And really super quick, if this is your first time someone has invited you, a friend, a coworker, insisted that you come with them today or to watch online, we wanna give you a very, very special welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first time guests today? So glad you're here. If this is not your first time, of course, welcome back. We're in a series right now called Family Circus, and we're going to jump right into our content today because we've got a lot to cover. What we said last week, if you were here, we, said, we called this series Family Circus because family can often feel like a circus right in a circus there are all kinds of characters you know you got the people the acrobats that are walking tight ropes and people shoving fire down their throats and doing crazy stuff right and then there's all sorts of animals in 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 a circus there's giraffes and and there's you know elephants and monkeys doing all kinds of stuff and tigers and and isn't that like your family all kinds of different animals in your family. No, (laughs) different characters in your family. I'm not talking about pets, I'm talking about humans. <laughs> now, we all do have pets, though, of course. Um, dogs are the best, but uh, that's okay. We'll just, we'll leave that for another day. Um, but yeah, family can be like a circus. You know, there's different, all these different characters in your family. You know, you have the perpetual liar. Anyone have one of those in their house, right? Then you have the passive-aggressive person. They're not physically aggressive, but man, they'll get at you in a passive way. Uh, anyone have one of those in your house? Then you have the one that talks just way too much, just way too much, right? The loud talker. What about the person with the really weird laugh? Anybody have one of those? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, will you stop laughing like that? You know, it makes me think of Pastor Aaron. You ever hear Pastor Aaron laugh? Holy cow, it's awesome. We love Aaron. No, he's here. He's great. He's got a very unique laugh, but uh, uh, but, but pray for his wife. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) he's going to get back at me for that one. Uh, But man, this is all kinds of characters in our family. And you put all these people under one roof, it is impossible to have, quote, a normal Family, right? Talk to me about a normal family. Show me a normal family. Like all of our families are dysfunctional because we all have these different characters in them, and you get them together under one roof, and man, it is gonna be chaos. Yes? Is it chaos in your home sometimes? Absolutely. (laughs) It's definitely been a little chaotic for us as well. And we said, even though family is tough, it's not impossible because God has not left us in the dark. He's given us some truth to follow as sort of like a compass or an anchor to kind of hold on to so that we can maybe make some source of order in the midst of all the chaos. We said that that family is sort of like juggling, right? We said when the idea of juggling, man, I could never juggle. And I thought that, too, when I was a young kid, like I saw my dad juggle one time and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I could never do that. He said, yes, you can. And so I said, well, show me how to do it. And he showed me how to do it. And so I went downstairs and and I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced until I could figure out how to juggle. In fact, last night I taught my middle child how to juggle. In about an hour, he could juggle three balls. So what seems overwhelming is actually not if you can learn the technique and you put in the work. And for some of you, for your family right now, you kind of feel like this. It's okay. You know, we've got one kid. (laughs) <laughs> wait until you add a second kid okay and then one other person comes into the picture and it just is like there's no way I'll be able to juggle four balls you know maybe you have maybe uh your mom has to suddenly come live with you or 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 another family member has to suddenly enters your life or a cousin moves close back to you and now you've got this fourth family member last week I said I was going to try 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 to learn how to juggle four balls even though I have no, no, had no idea how to do it. Some of you saw my progress on Instagram. It was terrible. On Monday, I had no idea what I was doing. But good thing we have YouTube, okay? So I checked it out on YouTube, and I looked at the technique, and I started to practice. And here's, here's my best shot at doing it. Let's see if I could get it going here. Ready? Okay, okay. Okay, that was – let me try one more. Let me try, let me try one more. I got to kind of warm up here a little bit. Let's see if we can get four balls going. Okay, okay, okay. Now. I, I really like, I really like the, the reality that I just messed that up because that's really how family works. Like you, you learn some new things. Like Last week, I talked about parenting, and I talked about how you know, we need to have a purpose for our parenting, and we need to engage our kids relentlessly, and we need to discipline consistently, and we need to be an example, and then I challenge you to take some of those skills and begin to practice them, and guess what? When we begin to practice some of the truth of God's word, it, we make a little progress, but it's still messy, and it's not perfect, and that is the same. Same way with juggling. But the, but, but the reality is, is, if you keep at it, and you keep at it, Like that took me a lot of time to figure out. <laughs> and in fact, when I was practicing uh, throughout the week, my watch kept telling me, are you working out? <laughs> because I was sweating trying to juggle four balls. It is a lot, it, it takes a lot of work, but if you work at it, you can get better and better and better. So today what I wanna do is look at some truth from God's word and try to apply it to the marriage relationship. Now, before you tune me out, because you're not married, Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Statistics show that one day if you're not married, you probably will be married. There's like a 90 plus chance that you'll be married in the future. So you can take some of what you're going to hear today and apply it in the future. If you're single in, uh, in any way or you, you don't have a wife or you don't have a husband, uh, you can share this information with uh, others. You can apply it to the relationship you have right now, maybe with a roommate or a coworker. So this stuff is really, really good stuff. And if you're married, this is really going to be beneficial to you as well. And so I want to dive into what God's word says today. Now, it's no surprise that marriage has been under a lot of pressure. Marriages have been under a lot of pressure in the last two years. Because on top of all all of the normal struggles that marriages face, you know, tension with money, tension around work stuff, tension around children, tension around sexuality, tension, tension, all these different places we have tension. On top of all of that, we had COVID hit. And so now you got two people with lots of tension. Now they have to be in the same house together all the time. <laughs> it used, used to get relief when they would go to work, right? <laughs> but now they're with you and then the kids are home as well. And so statistics show that, that divorce has been on a sharp rise because of, of all the tensions with COVID. And so it's really tough to kind of figure out how to make it all work. That's the question I want to try to answer today is how do you make it all work with all of the pressure with children and work and, and money issues and Jackie and I have been married for about 22 and a half, well, coming up on 23 years. So we, uh, we don't have a perfect marriage by any means, uh, but it's one that we enjoy. We're friends, we like each other, and that's something. <laughs> you can actually like somebody after 23 years. Uh, I'm glad she still likes me mostly. Uh, I have no problem liking her, she's awesome. Uh, and, but we, we've, we talked about this, we said, man, I actually wanted her to be up here because she does a great job sharing from our marriage and some, some things that we practice, but she's been engaged with our kids. Yesterday, uh, my middle son had a, a game all the way down south for uh, for volleyball, so she's not able to be here up. She is here today, though. Hi, honey. Uh, but she's not on stage with us, uh, but in the future, we're going to get her up here so she could talk a little bit. But I, I talked to her about some of these ideas, and she affirms this, and th- this, these are four ideas that have helped us over the years to kind of get through some of the the, the tensions and the juggling of family and and marriage. And so let me start with this first one here. I want to share this with you. so important. Do your part. Do your part. What do I mean by that? Well, inside the context of a marriage relationship, there is a ton of external work that needs to be done. We want to talk about the external part and we want to talk about the internal part. Let's start with the external part. Inside the context of marriage, there is a long list of responsibilities if the marriage relationship is going to work. Recently, I was uh, told to pick up this book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. Really good title. Uh, and uh, this is recommended by our online campus pastor, Matt Scobell. And in this book, uh, Dr. John Gottem lists all of the responsibilities of inside of a marriage. And, and I, I've never seen a list quite like this. I wanted to read it to you. This is, and this is not an exhaustive list, this, but, but it, is, it is pretty extensive. First of all, there's car care, car maintenance, refueling gas, gas uh, insurance, car maintenance, uh, car uh, oil changes. Then there's care for the home. There's house maintenance, buying furniture, buying appliances, watering plants, child care. If you have kids, bathing, bedtime discipline. We talked about that last week. Caring for sick children, in- interacting with schools. Children's scheduling, making doctor appointments, transportation to and from a doctor, transportation to and from school or practice, uh, attending teacher comp, t- parent-teacher conferences. Then there's communications with, with everybody else, presence, in-laws, emails, phone calls with extended family, buying cards, all those different things. Then there's entertainment planning date nights, prepping for uh, hosting parties, uh, choosing travel destinations, reserving tickets, planning vacations, romantic vacations. Uh, Then there's finances, financial planning, bill paying, taxes. Then there's food, planning the menu, grocery shopping, cooking, doing the dishes. Then there's health, managing health insurance, coordinating, coordinating medical care house cleaning, making beds, cleaning the kitchen, vacuuming, uh, sweeping, washing floors, recycling, laundry, and on and on and on. Then there's housework projects, home repairs, washing, washing windows, changing light bulbs. I'm really good at that one. <laughs> changing, when we need a light bulb changed in our house, I volunteer for that one. And I was looking at this list, and like, wow, what, a, what an incredible list. I've never seen a list like this on, on paper. And I got to thinking, I'm in trouble because as I go through this list, I'm like, Jackie, 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 Danny, Jackie, 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 Danny, Jackie, Jackie. Like 90% of this stuff my wife does. Like we would never go on vacation if my wife didn't plan it. We wouldn't pay her taxes if my wife didn't work on our, we, our house would fall apart without my wife. And so I just want to say thank you right now publicly because you are a rock star. And I want to publicly, publicly put myself on the line and say I need to do better at the external part in our marriage because what happens is if one person is doing most of the of, of carrying the weight, what happens over time? The other spouse becomes what? Resentful. Whew. You get some resentment inside of a marriage, it starts to spiral downward. So you gotta do your part, like who's gonna do what? Because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Then there's the internal part. Not just the external part, the internal part. This is what's going on inside of our hearts. The truth of it is that you and I live from the inside out. Like the condition of our soul is going gonna, gonna to come out and play itself out. And our spouse is going to be the first one that it touches. What am, I, what am I talking about? I'm talking about if your heart is filled with anger, eventually that anger is going to touch them and hurt them. If your heart was filled, is filled with envy or jealousy, then that's eventually going to touch them in a negative way. If your heart is filled with lust and all sort of sexual sin, that event, that's going to impact your spouse in a negative way. Doing the, doing the work internally is making sure all of the stuff on the inside is worked out such that what's on the inside doesn't curse them, but rather blesses them. Make sense? Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else... Before you pursue anything, take care of your what? Your heart. When the Bible uses the word heart, it's talking about the inner part of who you are. Your soul. Why? Because everything you do, every purchase you make, every word you say, every discussion you have, every action you don't take, every action you don't take, everything you do flows from your what? Your heart. And so if you want to be have a great marriage, you got to take care and do your part by taking care of what's going on on in the inside of who you are. We do this through having a relationship with Christ, spending time in prayer, confessing our sin, being in a small group, being responsible for the kind of character you are. You see, I'm trying to ask myself in the context of our family like am I participating in the circus? Am I making this problem worse because of my temper, because of my impatience, because of my pride, because of my anger? Am I accentuating and exaggerating the problems in my family because of my selfishness or my greed or my discontentment? You see, doing your part means you're going to deal with who you are on the inside so that you can bring some peace into your home. Making sense? So that's number one, do your part. Number two is communicate, communicate, talk, 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 talk. Talk a lot. Communicate a lot. This is so important. Every great relationship requires tremendous communication. It's like that with your spouse. It's like that with God. We call it prayer. We call it reading the scripture and listening, talking to God. Communication ensures two things. Number one, watch this. Communication ensures information flow. There's so much information that's got to go back and forth between you and your husband. Think about all the things I just listed in this this book from Taking care of the car, taking care of the children, health insurance, and who's gonna cut the grass, and all this different stuff that needs to take place. Who's taking the dog to the groomer, right? Who's picking him up? Information flow. You need information flow in your relationship. Have you ever been in the situation where your spouse says to you, you didn't tell me that? Right, and You find out on the back end that they didn't tell you an important piece of information. Maybe it's because you weren't listening, and your, your spouse usually says, yes, I did. <laughs> you just weren't listening. You ever been there? I've been in both of those situations before. It's a, it's a breakdown in communication, but we've got to get really good at talking to one another. Here's the way I view our house. We Jackie and I are running a small business. You know what it's called? Anderson Incorporated. <laughs> okay, We've got three children. They've got busy lives there's money coming in there's money going out that's a business guess who the ceo is danny anderson right here no it's actually jackie anderson i'm she's the ceo i'm just kidding but we are running we are running a small business called our home and that requires a ton of communication so guess what jackie and i are on the phone two three or four times per day talking about all of the information that needs to pass back and forth making sense you guys need to start talking to one another. The second thing that communication does is it, it clarifies the state of the union. What do I mean? Your marriage is a union. How is it? What's it like? Is it good, is it bad? How are things going? Communication reveals the state of the union. There's three parts to communication. The reason I know this is because I was a comms major in college and I studied this stuff. People think that communication is talking. Ugh, not really. People think communication is words, Eh, not really. People think communication is email, Eh, not really. People think communication is texting, not really. Communication is mostly tone of voice and body language. Did you know that? Tone of voice, which is why I hate email and I hate texting because you don't have any tone of voice and you have no body language. You can't really get a feel for what's going on without tone of voice and body language. And so when you're talking to somebody, it's not just about the words. Have you ever heard your spouse say this? It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, what, was, what, is, what is your spouse saying? It's, it's your tone, it's the way that you're communicating. That is real communication. So when I'm talking to my wife, I'm paying attention to what is her tone of voice. That tells me if she's happy, if she's sad, is she excited, is she down, is she scared, is she nervous, is she excited? And then I'm also looking at body language, facial expressions, her eyes, her shoulders. That tells me how she's feeling about the situation. Did her day go well? Did her day go good? Body language and tone of voice. So you gotta be paying attention to these things because then when you figure out that there's a problem because of tone of voice or because of body language, now you can step into that situation with wisdom and help to fix the problem. Two other thoughts on communication I wanna uh, encourage you with. Number one, when you talk, let your words be gentle. Gentle. Guys, you guys struggle with this because you think the word gentle means feminine or gentle means weakness, Not true. Gentleness means wisdom. Was Jesus gentle? Yeah, you bet he was. Was he stern sometimes? You bet he was. But he was gentle. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 15 verse one says. A gentle answer deflects anger. You wanna stop a fight before it starts? Bring some gentleness to the conversation. On the opposite end, watch this. Harsh words make tempers flare. You want to stir the pot? Just go ahead and say something harsh. Say something sharp. Say something critical. Put a little dig in there and you'll be sure to get that that party started in a negative way. Let your words Be gentle. My wife is so good at this. Um, The other day, um, I I was pulling out of a spot, and I absolutely smashed into the guy's car behind me, just crushed it, like just put a huge dent in his bumper, and uh, just pulling out of the parking lot, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be an insurance claim now, and and I do these types of things. I don't know if anybody else does these types of things, Uh, but I hit people, and I used to not. I'm not sure why. (laughs) I'm not sure why. I, I also hit telephone poles. The other day, I, I was pulling out of my street and onto Morgantown Road, and, 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 and I was just trying to go pick my daughter up from, from school, and, and this telephone pole jumped right out in front of my car, and I swerved, and it took the mirror right off the side of my car. Just, pew. I like, man, how'd that happen? Each one of those particular instances, was both happened fairly recently, uh, you know, my wife had an opportunity just to absolutely crush me. Just to be like, what is wrong with you? That's gonna be an insurance claim. You're a moron. Who drives like that? Were you not looking? What were you doing, texting? You're gonna kill somebody. She had an opportunity to crush me. And some of you ladies are like, oh, I would've got my husband if you'd have done that. <laughs> But I'm so thankful that my wife, even though she did say some things to me, they were playful and they were gentle, and I got the message without her crushing me. See, some of you guys are in a marriage and you crush each other. You crush with mean words. Gentle, and the gentleness is the furthest thing from you. Well, you can do that. I'm just telling you, it's, it's going to drive a wedge between you and your spouse. That makes sense. Be gentle. But number two, also be encouraging. Be encouraging. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Watch this. The tongue has the power for either, watch this, life or death. You choose life or death. And whichever one you choose, whether you choose to speak life or you choose to bring your spouse down and bring death, you will eat its fruits. See, some of you right now are in a relationship and you have been speaking death into your spouse or death into your roommate or death into your friendship, and the relationship's not going well, you're eating bitter fruit right now because your words have been crushing that person with criticism, demeaning words, mocking words, name calling, there's nobody in the world that's gonna like, enjoy that type of relationship. There's power in this little piece of flesh in our mouth to bring life, or to bring death. So I'm just looking at that like, okay, I'm not the smartest person in the world, I don't have a PhD, I'm not like brilliant at all, but I'm like, okay, well if that's what it says, here's what I'm gonna do to my wife, I'm gonna tell her every day I love you, I'm gonna tell her that she's beautiful, I'm gonna tell her that she's awesome, I'm gonna thank her for all the stuff that she does because she does 90% of the work, I already just told you guys that, right? So there's a lot to thank her for. Thank you, I love you, You're, you're beautiful, you're pretty, you're wonderful. I just try to do that every day, don't I? Some days I do better than others. I just want to bring life to her. I want to, I, want her to, I want to lift her spirit. I want to encourage her heart. And so, guess what? The juggling gets a little bit easier because we're both speaking life. She's, she has in, my, in her phone, uh, when I call her, it comes up. My picture comes up. You know what it says under, under my photo? I love this. It says, handsome. And one of my favorite things in the world is probably too much information to share with you guys. But when I when I call her and she picks up and she goes, hello, handsome, like I'm like. "Ah." (laughs) And I tell her the other day, can you do that more? It's just, you know, I just love it when she does that. But it's just little things like that. Just encouraging. Be encouraging every day and you will see a major difference in your relationship with your spouse. So number one, do your part, carry your weight. Number two, communicate. Number three, solve problems quickly. Do not let the problems in a marriage accumulate because if you let them accumulate, it's gonna turn into this mountain of 17 different problems and you don't know where to start and then you get a counselor involved and they don't know where to start and it's like, well, this problem is connected to this problem, it's connected to this problem and it's just this monster and then someone says, it's too big, I want a, say it with me, divorce. That's what happens when you don't solve your problems quickly. It steamrolls into a mountain of complicated pain and hurts and, and, and wounds and sins when you don't solve your, pr- your problems quickly. So we have just trying to commit to say, you know what, when something comes up, we're going we're to we're nip it in the bud. We're going to keep a short account. We're going to fix this quickly. We, we try to follow this three-step process. Number one, don't freak out. Don't freak out. No, no, there's no, there's no time to freak out. So stop freaking out, right? Leave the drama out there. No, this is the no drama zone. Everybody's got problems. We're going to deal with it. We're not going to have any drama. My wife read a book a couple of months ago. I love the title of it. I didn't read it yet, but I have it on my iTunes. It says, everything is figureoutable. <laughs> everything is figureoutable. That means that whatever the problem is, we actually talk, we actually say this, like whatever the problem is, whether it's a financial problem, a problem with one of our kids, a problem with school, a problem with this, whatever, the church. Hey, time out. Every, let's relax because everything's outable. We'll figure it out. So number one, don't freak out. Because when you don't freak out, you can be reasonable. When you're reasonable, you can come up with good solutions. Yes? Number two, set apart time to discuss it. Like create space. I'll, I'll tell my wife. Say, hey, we can't talk about this right now. Let's talk about it to my, tonight. Let's set apart time so we could focus, so we could sit down and, and actually dissect, like, what's the problem? What really happened? Who's involved? What, were the, what was the situation? What was the cause? And we, di- we try to dissect the problem and understand the problem. This requires a lot of listening, which is hard for me. I like to talk. <laughs> but the Bible tells us and reminds us it's really good to listen. Listen to what it says. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. In other words, take time and shut up. <laughs> Stop talking and listen, why? Because when you listen, then you can gather all the facts of what happened and who's behind this and what were the causes. If you act without listening, you're gonna do something shameful and foolish, why? Because you don't have all the information. You're gonna make a decision without all the facts and, you're going to be, and that's foolish. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 19, you must all be quick to listen and, say it with me, slow to speak. Oh. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This is what we do. We set apart time to talk about the issue. Once we've talked about it, then we move to step three, which is to push, push to solve. Okay, what do we do about this? What are, the, what are the solutions? Do we need to punish this child? If we need to punish them, for how long? We need to, you know, get a tutor for this kid. We do need, we need to, you know, uh, reallocate money for this situation? Like, what, what are the three solutions here? And then we talk about what the solutions are, and then we pick one, and then we execute on that. And that is how you solve your problems. But you can't talk about the problem forever. Everybody has to talk about the problems. Let's talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Okay, we've talked about it. Now what are we going to do about it? And then you take action, and you make a decision and solve your problems quickly. Communicate, 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 and own your part, do your part, carry your weight. Let's talk about this last one, number four. It's probably my favorite one. Probably adds the most value to our marriage. Choose to honor your spouse. Honor your spouse. Show your spouse honor. My favorite verse in the Bible, my favorite relationship verse in the Bible, which I take and apply it to marriage, even though it's not a marriage verse. Listen to this, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another by showing honor. How interesting. The word honor means value. To value something. You value things, I value things. What do we typically do with something that we value? Don't we protect it? Like if you have a, a baseball that's signed by somebody or a basketball or a photo, we put it in like a plastic thing, right? We protect it. We guard it. Maybe we wrap it up in newspapers or something like that. And when we have something valuable, like a piece of jewelry, we put it somewhere safe. Maybe we put it in a safe and with a little, you know, lock on it, right? Don't we? When we have something valuable, we protect it. Sometimes, we, what do we do with something we value? We display it. We put it maybe in a case so that people can see it. Last Christmas, I got a, a present from a, a friend of mine. It was a painting of Michael Jordan, and it was signed by the artist, and it's beautiful, and it was a pretty, pretty valuable piece of artwork, and so you know what I did with it? I put it in the center of my office so that when everyone walks in, they can know and be reminded of who number one really is, um, but but I want them to see, I want them to see, I want them to see, like, this is a valuable piece of artwork, and I want you to, I want it to be on display. Isn't that what we do with things that are valuable? We protect it, we display it, we guard it. Here's what Paul tells us to do. Protect, display, and guard your spouse. Don't throw them under the bus in front of the kids. Don't Bash at them at the hair salon to all the ladies. My husband, blah, 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 blah. That's not honoring. You know? Then we expect our family to work while well. we're, we're just trashing our spouses. My wife, like guys in the locker room. My wife this, my wife that. Don't do that. Right? That's dishonoring. What do we do with something we value? We, we protect it. We talk it up. We guard it. We display it. We're proud of it. Paul says, do that for your spouse. Do that for the people in your life. And not only do that, but when they do it to you, outdo them. In other words, when they protect you, honor you, display you, I want you to take it to the next level. I want you to make it a competition. I want you to make it a game. Outdo them. Take it one step further. Can you imagine what would happen in your marriage? Your spouse honors you, values you by serving you, talking you up or something, buying you something, taking you somewhere, special dinner, whatever. And then you're like, hmm, how can I outdo him in this? And then you outdo him by by buying him something or honor or saying something in front of his friends or posting something on Facebook about how awesome he is. And And then you feel valued and then you're like, hmm, I wonder how I can outdo her on this one. What would happen to your marriage if you got in that game? See, some of you right now are in the opposite game. Your husband has hurt you, said something about you, wounded you, forgotten about something, and you're like, "How can I get back at him for that?" That is a a nasty game. And that is a downward spiral that ends in divorce. You can flip that script, you can flip that game, you can change things by following what Paul says here, by showing honor. Probably the best thing that we've done in our marriage is just, we don't do it perfectly. There are days where I'm I'm sure I dishonor her, but we, we try to say, hey, how can I show that you are the most valuable, other than Jesus, you are the most valuable thing in my life, you're the most valuable person look, what have I said today? Marriage is tough. It is. There's pressures, tensions. It's difficult in our world today to have a good marriage with social media and Instagram and people cheating on one another and looking at pornography. It's just a disaster. It's just, it is, it's like walking through a minefield to try to have a good marriage. But God has not left us in the dark. We can, we can do our part. We can communicate with each other we can solve problems quickly, and we could show honor to one another. Does that solve all of our marriage problems? No, we could talk, we could do a whole series on marriage. We could talk for another, another f- five weeks and still not cover all the things we need to be doing as spouses to have a great marriage. But I tell you what, if you took just one of these things we talked about today, and you got in the gym and you started to work on it, I guarantee you, it might not be perfect, you'll probably drop the balls in, th- in seven days, but I guarantee you, you will see results In your relationships and in your marriage. If you just took, but you gotta do the work. You gotta take what I've said today, and you gotta go. Last night after church, I uh, I left church and I went to the gym. And you know what I did? Instead of working out, I practiced juggling. (laughs) And I was in the gym and, and I knew people thought, like, what's that dude doing in there with the balls? It's like, I don't care. I gotta get this, I gotta get this. What if you took what you heard today and, and just said, I don't care. I've got to show my spouse I've got to work at this. It's going to be tiresome. It's going to be wearisome. We're going to talk. We're going to communicate. We're going to sit down. We're going to solve our problems. And I'm going to get to work and cut the grass and do my part. And I'm going to just work at this. It takes work to have a better marriage. Now you've got to take the ball. You've got to run with it. So my question today is where do you need to start? Where do you need to start? you need to start by communicating? Do you need to start by maybe doing the dishes? She always does it. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to lighten her load a little bit. I'm going to, maybe he always cuts the grass, so maybe you cut the grass. I'm going to, maybe he, you know, just look at it and start somewhere and begin working on some of these things. I guarantee you, you will feel an immediate difference because of the effort that's being put in. Does this make sense? Yes or no? Good stuff, where do you need to start? Circle one of those and go to work at it and and begin to practice juggling. So as we wrap up today, I mentioned a few moments ago that Jesus said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. He washed his disciples' feet. He was a servant. Jesus came into this world as a servant. In fact, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, this is what Jesus said. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but rather to serve and how did he do that how did jesus serve humanity how did he serve you how did he serve me even though he was the king of kings and the lord of lords even though he was the creator of the heavens and the earth he didn't come to be a king on earth even though one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and, and, and all, all heaven and all earth will worship him and he will be the government and he will be, you know, there'll be no Republicans and no Democrats and amen for that. There'll be no need for judges. There'll be, he, Jesus will be the government in the future and he'll be the center of attention and he'll be the king of kings. But when he came to earth, he says, I didn't come as a king, I came as a servant. How did he do that? By giving his life as a, say it with me, a what? A ransom. A ransom. That word ransom, it means something to us because we understand kidnappers. Kidnappers, they take people and they hold them hostage and then they, they make this demand. We call it a, a ransom payment. And unless people, someone makes the ransom payment, they, they don't let the captive go. Well, in a very real sense, you and I have been taken captive by sin by Satan, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. And Jesus has come to make the ransom payment by dying on the cross for our sin. See, the penalty of sin was death, but we we couldn't pay it because we are unholy. We are unrighteous people. So Jesus comes on the scene, perfect in every way, sinless in every way, and he dies on a cross. He spreads out his his arms, and he dies for you and he dies for me so we can be forgiven, so we can be set free from the power of sin and death. You know, Jesus didn't come to build buildings and create churches, and, and that's, that's how we, we kind of play this thing out. We try to get the message of grace out through buildings and churches, but he didn't come to do that. You know what he came to do? He came to reconcile you to his father. He came to make a ransom payment for sin. He came to make it possible for you to live in a relationship with himself. By dying for your sin. And maybe for the first time, something just clicked in your mind. You thought this was about organized religion or church or a big building or whatever, but it's really about a relationship. God loves you, and He had Jesus die for you to be your ransom payment so you could be forgiven of your sins. If that makes sense, I'm going to say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of you accepting, receiving Christ into your life by faith. Trusting in him that his death on the cross was enough to forgive you and to cleanse you of your sin. And so if you feel led in this moment right now, I'm going to ask you to just kind of step into it with faith. The faith of a child doesn't take much. Take these words, make them your own and put your trust in Christ. Will you pray with me? If you feel led to. Just say this to him, dear Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for being the ransom payment. For paying a debt I could not pay. I put my faith in you, I put my trust in you. I ask you to be my savior. I believe you died for me on the cross and that you came back to life so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be reconciled in relationship with you. And so I reach out in faith. I ask you to forgive my sins, make me whole, wash my soul, and be my savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to put a present in your hands. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's why we call this our saved box. We are saved from our sins. Inside this box, there is a Bible with a reading plan to get you started. Information about small groups, baptism, how to get connected to the church. And there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations for trusting in Christ today. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248 and grab one of these at the information desk at your campus or if you're watching online, give us a little bit more information and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna dismiss us to our local teams. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you've not left us in the dark. Marriage is tough, family is tough. It can feel like a circus. So many challenges to juggle and figure out with parenting and finances and work. But you've given us some truth. You've given us some principles to be a compass or a guide or or an anchor for us. Help us to put into practice what we heard today, to do our part, to be servants to one another, to communicate, to listen to one another, to solve our problems quickly before they accumulate and turn into something ugly and monstrous. And God, to honor one another to value one another. Help us to take something we heard today and put it into practice so that we can begin to experience the marriage that you've created for us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now I'm gonna dismiss to the local teams. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.